0: we're of football for the next hour. I'm your host Will Bazer, and I'm joined alongside by Johnny Brashear and Tim Preston. As always, you guys listen to the Buddhist Band bringing us in for what is it? The last time of the season. I don't know if we're going to be doing another one after this. Maybe maybe some in the middle of the off season as we find out the transfers coming yeah, in. We'll
1: definitely do another one in like mid May or June or something like that.
0: So right, but. <laughs> For the last one for this specific season, you're listening to the Budos Band. We're going to be talking about Texas's tournament appearance, uh, whether or not it was a success, the game plans of Coach Beard and the in-game adjustments and the game management, the style of play he brought to the tournament, whether or not we think it was enough to be called a quote-unquote success for Texas. Uh, Then take a look at Texas's season in general. Was it a success given the players, not the hype that beard had? And did he maximize his team enough to call it a successful season? Lastly, take a look at the off season. What does Texas need to bring in to give, given the guys that are coming back and give our too early prediction for next season. Y'all, how have we been enjoying the tournament?
2: Sans Texas so far. I've had a lot of fun. there there've been a a number of really good games, Uh, you know, gonzaga memphis is was has been the highlight for me but it's it's far from the only one um the arizona tcu game was really good there's there's been a, a, at least a couple others i've really enjoyed so yeah no it's it's uh it's been good watching uh anybody other than marquette pretty much <laughs> classic stock
0: shaka smart do we feel <laughs> do we feel better having watched shaka smart absolutely just tank against unc Or the fact that UNC has gone through and beaten Baylor and done very well makes it... How do we feel about Shaka Smart after that?
2: I don't really feel one way or the other. He's gone. I mean, it's, you know, like it's... I I, I know people have sort of been doing a comparative thing of Shaka and Beard's performance in the tournament and whether it makes them feel better or worse about, uh, you know, moving on from Shaka. And for me, it's just sort of immaterial. He's gone. So, you know, good luck to him. Uh, hope he does well, but uh, he's gone. It's over.
0: I really wish Marquette would have won, and then Texas would have won, so that Texas would have met Marquette in the Elite Eight. That would have been great.
2: Yeah, I don't know if I I would have watched that entire thing with like my my hands over my eyes, like looking between my fingers, because <laughs> it's just a, that's good. That would be. Uh, Reddit would be unbearable regardless of how that turned out.
0: Tim, what are, you, what are your thoughts on this tournament so far?
1: I, I thought it's been great, man. Uh, I found myself incredibly engaged when Kentucky was playing St. Peter's. Uh, that was a really fun game. Uh, both of Iowa State's games have been fun. Uh, the North Carolina-Baylor game was dope. Um, as Johnny said, uh, TCU-Arizona was was a blast until the very end I felt like TCU got kind of jobbed so for all the negative backlash that the revs have gotten and, and they've gotten plenty of it I, I think that, that that no call was about as bad as it's been throughout the tournament um, so no but it's it's been great it's been great and I have been it was it's surprising uh, you know how how little over the last few years I've been able to enjoy the first weekend. Like you know, with te- whenever Texas has made it, I've been excited for it. And until Texas played, it's been great. And then when they lost, it's kind of like that sinking feeling of like we suck, <laughs> this sucks. And so Texas winning a game like just brought a lot of energy and excitement. Like I was, it felt like okay, I can. This brings me joy. I'm really happy. Um, so I, I I really appreciated that. And then to have some really fun games along that like. That Murray uh, State-San Francisco game was a lot of fun. I'm trying to think of other ones that really kind of moved the needle for me. Both of the – or Kansas' second game against – now I'm drawing a blank on who they played second. Yeah, against Creighton. And Yeah, and Creighton uh, Creighton was, like, missing, like – yeah, that was a good game, too. And then Illinois uh, um, – Illinois-Houston was a good game.
2: The Illinois-Chattanooga game was pretty good, too.
1: That's what I said.
0: yeah.
2: Sorry, I thought you mentioned Um, Davidson. Oh, that was a good
0: game too, man. I think the majority of fans right now are kind of chaos fans at this point. Like, when did Michigan UNC become America's teams of chaos in this tournament? Like, well, how did that happen? How did that that transpire? But I think everybody wants St. Peter's to go all the way. If Texas wasn't going to be – I think the only reason Texas fans – or actually kind of ups- like really upset about the Purdue loss beyond it being a loss is the fact that the, the next game would have been St. Peters. Right? You missed Baylor who had Texas's number this year and you missed Kentucky who is a really good team. You had St. Peters, everything lined up. It was like how if Yale would have beaten Purdue. It was like it would have been perfect. But I think now everybody's like come on St. Peters. Make us not regret this. Make us not regret this. <laughs>
2: <laughs> then but, they're gonna get housed by thirty eight points. <laughs> yeah, they're gonna get shit
0: on. But yeah. like you guys said, every one of these games has been entertaining, including the ones Texas played in. The Virginia Tech game was incredibly entertaining, given the fact that Brock Cunningham gave them a last second breath of of air <laughs> with a seven point turnaround. It, <laughs> but yeah, beyond C- that Cunningham it was Mountain
2: a, was a little bit empty right around then.
0: It was an incredible game for Texas fans and the Texas fan base to just kind of get a jolt of energy. But looking directly at that game, what are you guys' thoughts on Chris Beard's performance in that game specifically? I I think the game plans for that game to keep Virginia Tech's only really big weapon, which was the three, uh, keep them off that three line was fantastic. And really, they just said, "Hey, beat us inside, shoot over our guys." Uh, we don't think that you guys have the athleticism to do that, and they didn't.
2: Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it's pretty much that the thing that everybody pointed to, and sort of part of why Virginia Tech was the one of the trendier six-eleven upset picks, uh, was that they can shoot the three uh, really well, and you know they don't shoot a high volume of shots just because their tempo is as slow as Texas, but. Um, They do shoot a pretty high, a reasonably high percentage of threes, and they can make them. And so, um, Texas basically forced uh, forced Virginia Tech uh, off the three point line. They said, "We're going to run at you. We're going to stay up on you. And if you beat us, we hope our uh, bigs can keep you in front of us and and make those shots tough inside." Um, It also, you know, there there was a drawback that it made Texas more vulnerable to back cuts and, and that sort of thing than, than they normally are. Um, but, you know, you kind of have to take the good with a bad. You you know, when you're making a strategic decision like that, there's always going to be drawbacks. So, um, yeah, I, I thought their defensive game plan was sound. Uh, and they were definitely the more physical of the two teams. Um, and, and it just seemed like it kind of or Virginia Tech down as, as the game went on, and by the end they, they just didn't look like they had a, a ton of fight left in them. Uh, you know, as long as Brock stopped hitting dudes in the face.
1: From from the end of the game versus TCU, which Johnny and I talked about during the last pod, uh, those last eight or nine minutes in the second half of that game were pretty jarring because of the lack of personnel rotation and just how poorly that went. And then the first two or three minutes against Virginia Tech happened and Texas was slow, kind of lethargic, just looked a little bit nervous. And I want to say they they scored like two points in the first four minutes or whatever it was. I was like, ah, shit. And then, you know, at that, their first time out, or not first time out, one of the first dead balls with that, Jace subbed in, Devin subbed in, and I think Dessou subbed in, although it may have been Cunningham, but he replaced three of the guys. and And sometimes he'll do that, and they'll get a couple of minutes, and then boom, he's right back to the starters. But all of Jace and Devin and Brock and Dylan got uh, big minutes, like they were all like at least in the teens. And I was really pleased with that. It felt like he was trusting his bench. Texas was playing a pretty decent tempo um and, and he was rewarded because i thought dylan had maybe his best game of the season i thought that jace played very you know with great energy hit some shots uh Devin played you know move the ball well and it was one of those things like all right, all right look look you we, we can trust these guys right we can we can see how they are able to bring something a little bit different at least a different look than what courtney andrew and marcus do and then midway through the first half maybe two-thirds of the way through the first half then Marcus started to cook on his you know going right into his mid-range game which is something that he struggled with all season long and all of a sudden he wasn't and then the floodgates open and by that I just mean like as soon as he started hitting that and it felt like Virginia Tech had no answer then we had more room for Timmy and Christian on the interior then we were getting even better looks from the outside which Texas ended up shooting for 10 for 19 I want to say and and it just it felt like because we were able to take advantage, like, no, no, you know, we stopped talked at the beginning of the season, or at least somewhere during this, our, our series of podcasts here this year, about how normal basketball goes, right? I mean, Saber metrics say get to the rim or shoot threes. And that's great if you can get to the rim, but we just really can't. <laughs> but we have to find something other than just shoot threes. And so if you can get some decent, if you can get some decent looks in the mid range and you're able to hit from that 12 to 20 foot, you know, area that can open things up too, because then you can draw, you can draw the bigs away and you have more looks at second chance rebounds, or you can draw the bigs away. And, and the guy like Christian Bishop can be a factor on lobs or on dump offs, or you can draw other guys from the wing and you have better looks from three, like whatever it is, but you have to have that, that, that dynamic option to be able to open up the defense and force their rotation. And if you are not hitting in the mid range and you're not getting into the rim, what else is there they don't have to honor you if you can't do those things well when they do you saw what it looked like and i thought texas even in a game that was relatively you know moderate in pace still looked comfortable um and as shots got more and more in rhythm they looked great now whether that was just you know some type of um abnormality because of their ability to hit shots or if it was a a factor of the of the high quality offensive looks whichever but um, I was I was pleased with both things, both that we kind of found some rhythm there and that he trusted his bench because I thought the bench came through pretty well.
2: Yeah, and I, as, as much as the game plan was was pretty sound and, you know, credit to Marcus for having, you know, both of his games in the tournament were, were, were very good. They were some some of the best he's played all year. Um, Texas... Saving his best for last, quite literally. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Texas might have gone home the first day if Andrew Jones didn't go off in the first half. Like there was a, a significant chunk of the first half where it was, the offense was basically Andrew's hot, um, which, you know, good, get it to him. Uh, but at the same time, Texas probably doesn't, doesn't have that ability to uh, wear down Virginia tech. If Andrew Jones starts the game, like one of six, because then the game is wait that Texas probably down at the half by, you know, four or six points, something like that, um, You know, depending on if Marcus still hits his crazy half-court shot, uh, which, by the way, is really nice to see Texas be on the right side of a half-court heave for once. Um, we'll take that. Um, but, yeah, I, I think um, I, as much as I, I agree with Tim's points, I, I think we really need to acknowledge that Andrew being hot helped a whole lot as this game went on.
0: Yeah, and the fact that Andrew was hot I I will agree with you, is is a big factor. But I think the fact that they didn't rely on that in the second half and they didn't just kind of rest on that. And I said it mid-game. I was like, yes, Andrew's hot, and that's our offense right here. But we can't rely on that to continue into the second half because it didn't continue into the second half. We needed some other people to step up, and that's when Marcus Carr stepped up. I mean, he was great with distributing the ball in the first half, but he stepped up with scoring. In the second half, Courtney Ramey stepped up, Christian Bishop stepped up, and Timmy Allen stepped up. Now, I think another big thing about why they were able to step up is the athleticism on the field, on the court. The athleticism on the court was just not head and shoulders above them. Uh, Timmy Allen, as we'll see in this Purdue game, he just absolutely disappeared. And that was kind of indicative. Whenever he went up against another team or that has either interior size or athleticism above him. He just kind of disappears, but Virginia tech didn't have that. So they, you know, correctly went down to that in half game adjustment, halftime adjustments and really kind of exploited Virginia tech where they were weak. It was a great game plan. It was a great in-game adjustments by Chris Beard and his staff. And, you know, I think it was a big reason that they were able to take that second half. Like, yes, Andrew Jones kind of got them out of a hole in the first half but they took that and stepped it up in the second.
1: Well, and Andrew's been doing that. Like he's it it doesn't feel like he's had a whole lot of games this year where he has been dismal the whole game. He'll he'll get he'll cook for 10-12 minutes, you know, pretty not I don't want to say every single game, but there's more games than not he we feel like we can rely on him for some of those stretches
2: could have relied on him and in, in that as the season went on yeah
1: yeah for sure and that's been true the last few years i feel like he's kind of grown into each season The last few seasons as that's happened so um you know i don't i don't want to push back necessarily about about uh beard's adjustments in this game i i will say i'm not necessarily certain that it was a whole lot other than quite literally marcus just was, was shot hunting and was much more efficient than he has been in the Longhorn uniform period. Not just in the way that he shot, but also in the way that like, again, he was trying to pick his spots of where to shoot where he was able to like use some of his better shooting to free open other guys to find Christian Bishop to whatever it might be. Like his assist numbers were way higher than they've been. Everything looked much more comfortable and, and, and I'm not saying that like that was that that was not by design, but it certainly felt like like I, I don't know. I, I didn't see a lot of wrinkles as far as like how we were freeing him up. We weren't like tossing in new stuff. It was just him either being more assertive or or or, or just something about what Virginia was doing seemed to kind of like fit his game style a little bit more. I don't I don't know necessarily for sure. Uh, but like to see that he looked way better in this game than he did look than he looked, for instance, against like Cal Baptist or San Jose State, or Northern Colorado. like So that that just seemed a little bit surprising.
2: Yeah, I think what what I found interesting, and I think you phrased it correctly, he was looking for his spots, where one of the differences between Marcus and Ramey through the season is that there are precious few times when I see Ramey put up a shot that doesn't look like he's going to exactly the spot he wants. He may not entirely get there, but there is a... a a directness to what he's doing. There's a repeatability. You see the same sort of shots over and over, like that short corner shot, that sort of thing, um, that you see him doing something. He looks like he's done 10,000 times and Car in the Virginia Tech game looked like he was doing that when he was getting into the mid-range and pulling up. Like he, w- he knew he could hit from this exact spot and so he kept doing it over and over again, whereas in some other games previously it was more he's just kind of trying to find a way to get to the rim and flail something.
0: So Texas won this game, right? And they won it kind of handily given their second half performance. But, Johnny, you really uh, what is the word I'm looking for? But you talked about this in the last podcast, talking about Texas versus the Q1, the the Q1A and the Q1B. Virginia Tech, kind of actually a Q2 to Q1B team. Uh, Really more Q1B. But Purdue was very much a Q1A. And Texas has been very, very close to beating Q1A teams. See Kansas the second time, see Baylor the second time. They can get just up there, but they can never really cross that threshold. And that's kind of a you know what you're gonna get with Chris Beard. Chris Beard eats the ceiling to race the floor so that you know what you can get, right? You're not gonna lose many games you shouldn't lose. You're not gonna lose a game to a Q3 team, right? You might lose a game to a Q1B and maybe a Q one Q two, maybe a Q2 team, but you're never you're never going to lose to Q three, Q four.
2: Well, I I do have to make one minor note that Kansas State was one spot out of being a Q three loss. Well, okay. <laughs> I mean, I think it's I think your point is generally correct, um, but I, I I wouldn't necessarily extend that to Q three. Like every once in a while, that'll you're not going to get yeah, the embarrassing he, 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 loss. You're not going to you shouldn't lose to ACU.
0: You shouldn't be losing right to Radford. Right? So, sure. that's generally what he does. Is he kind of raise he raises the floor if he eats the ceiling. And because when you don't you know let your players play on offense as much and you don't let them, you know, create. When you don't let them create have the freedom? Right. Yeah. Then you're going to basically eat the ceiling of your team. But you control it. You're controlling every variation, and we saw it in Purdue. Uh, that's another example of hey, that you know Texas had this ceiling. The ceiling was the ceiling of this year, and it was pretty damn hard. They could, they almost got over it, but they just couldn't quite do it. But I think Chris Beard's game plan going into this game, aside for what he did with Travion Williams was pretty good. I think it was pretty similar to what you saw with Kansas and Baylor, which is take away a guy like Jaden Ivy and really limit the rest of the team and say, hey, we're gonna we're gonna see if you guys can shoot over us. And Edie did okay. Williams did much better. but i I really kind of like the the game plan going in, but the game management and adjustments in game, left something left us wanting.
2: So um I I'm gonna set the, the the game adjustments aside for a minute and talk about the game plan. That I you know when you are playing a team like Purdue, um just like with Virginia Tech, there were choices and consequences to those choices. Not not no defensive game plan is without its drawbacks, right? And you and you were effectively gambling that whatever choice you make is going to win more than it loses, right? Like, you know, with Virginia Tech, they wanted to run them off the three and hope that they don't burn them at the rim, right? And it worked out. Uh, with Purdue, they have too many options for you to take everything away. So the question was, do you uh, try to keep the bigs from uh, getting the ball in the low post? Do you, do you actively try and deny those passes? Uh, do you, you know... Uh, try and trap to get the ball out of Jaden Ivy's hands. Like there's 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 a number of ways of doing this, right? And their game plan was basically, um, I mean, it was kind of similar to Gonzaga in that they were like, we're not going to double the post if we can at all possibly help it, and uh, we will hope that our guys Bishop and DeSue and, and whoever can can limit those guys enough. Um, but in the process, we're going to try and make sure that Ivy doesn't kill us. Um, and that, you know, Stevanovich doesn't just go off from three. So, um, then that's, that was their gamble and it didn't work. Um, you know, I think it's a misreading of Purdue because, uh, as, as Jeff Haley said in the audio that no one will ever hear, uh, that, um, Purdue's whole offense is built around feeding the bigs. They, they are trying to get their bigs, the ball, as close to the basket as possible, and a lot of the rest of this is um, actions and misdirection to free those guys up and, and, and or feed off of those guys getting low post position, um, you know, because a guy like Travion Williams can burn you passing out of the low post repeatedly. Um, and, you know, just frankly, it didn't work, um, and it took texas way too long in my opinion to start doubling the post and then when they did they didn't do it very well they didn't come from like the 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 weak side or the blind side to try and you know like when in the past there have been times where they would double the post and it would be a guy like brock coming from the blind side to try and poke the ball out right rather than an obvious trap from the coming from the middle um and they just didn't do nearly enough of that and by the time they started trying to do that it was just too late like all of their bigs were in massive foul trouble, and um, Purdue was on free throw number thirty-two or whatever at that point. And you know it—it it, it was a—you uh, should have done that uh, about twenty minutes back, man. Um, so I—I I understand what they were trying to do, but it just didn't work. It, it just flatly and, didn't and work. And kind of to go and, against and to
0: myself, my, it did lead to the ginormous foul different, foul uh, free throw differential. Right? When you're trying to go one yeah. on one with a seven foot four guy or a guy who was a all American last right. year, you're gonna draw yeah, fouls.
2: A, a large mountain or a slightly smaller mountain, yes. Um and and you know it I well, we can get into the free throws at another point, but um the 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 whole game plan just I understand not wanting to let Jay Nivey go off, right? Because he is a dude that if you don't face guard him with someone like Ramey, he's probably going to go get 27 with, without a lot of trouble. Um, so I get it. But at the same time, um, when you are four minutes into that game and you see that the refs are calling things pretty straight up uh, in terms of low post contact, and you know, you have a, you do not have enough bigs to handle their guys you need to do something, and they didn't. They stuck with the game plan that they had, and um, it ended up costing them.
1: All right, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be a little negative here, because <laughs> uh, I, I understand, I agree with Johnny's assessment about about how they defended. But here's the thing: the play is you you play a guy like Edie straight up with high pressure. It's fine if you just have one person because you make him you make him adjust against a single player 15 to 20 feet out heavy ball pressure when he's got the ball and say all right big man use your feet use your ability to put the ball on the floor to try to get around us and and like avoid a smaller guy coming in a trap or you know or just like someone who's quicker than you beating you to the spot or whatever and he Edie did a fine job but I would not say that Edie murdered us. But then we did the exact same thing against Williams, which was so stupid, it was infuriating. I was (laughs) was literally sitting in my basement like, what are we doing? We played him, heavy ball pressure, like like straight up man, like in his grill, 18 feet out. This is a homie who shoots like 52% from the free throw line. When he gets the ball, you sag off, like you play off of him. And we didn't. Over and over and over and over and he smoked us over and over and over and it was just absolutely mind boggling that we that we kept on we not once not a single time did we say hey here's five feet make an 18 footer hey here's six feet make a 20 footer like do something but but we didn't like we we gave him more space to get into the paint because we allowed ourselves to be so close to him. And it was just it's it's one of those things where I I guess I guess maybe the hottest take I've got about Chris Beard right now is he doesn't make adjustments or at least he makes so few adjustments that it's it's just not a part of his game plan. What he does is he he puts in his game plan initially and that game plan is it. That's what it's going to be. You're going to see that game plan and they're going to try to execute that as specifically as possible. Right, and when that game plan goes poorly, there's not a whole lot else that there is. Um,
0: so you don't think there was any but it would, game I mean, adjustments in the Virginia Tech game? What do you think?
1: Like, what can you count? What can you point to? Like, I'm not. I'm not trying to be nasty. I'm just saying. Like, to me, the the Virginia Tech game was better shooting, and Marcus Carr taking the same kind of looks that we've given him over and over, the same kind of ball screens, the same kind of flat screens, the same kind of like, you know, coming in on on double curls or whatever it might be as he's coming through with the ball. like And he just did a better job. If he had shot his normal shooting percentage against Virginia Tech, that's a different game, right? If if Andrew Jones shoots against Virginia Tech, what he did against Purdue, that's a different game. And it's not like Purdue is this crazy athletic team. Yes, Jaden Ivey is crazy athletic. The rest of Purdue is not. In fact, I might even say we we match up with the exception of Ivy pretty well athletically. Now we're not as tall as Purdue is, but but we certainly like we're not run off the floor athletically by them. They are very skilled as we are very skilled, but I do not look at what the game plan was like. Wow, what an incredible wrinkle! We gave the ball to Marcus Carr. Marcus Carr has been the primary ball handler the entire season. He just hasn't done some of the same things. Like this is like this is what it's been. Even yeah. even when we were lamenting against some of the non-conference, players, like this is what it's going to be. Like this is what Marcus. Like my guy shot thirty nine percent overall from the floor for the season. Like that was his overall shooting percentage. And that I mean that's so. And then all of a sudden in the tournament, that number jumped up, which is great. I'm happy. <laughs> that's I'm I'm really glad that that was the case. But I'm not sure what you know. For the one thing, like if if Beard was waiting until the tournament to make an adjustment for Marcus Carr. Uh, that's pretty late, my guy. That's quite late to wait to make some kind of in-game <laughs> adjustment like that. Uh, but don't but want it, him to have any film. Don't want him to have right any exactly. Film. Like that's pretty, you know, like 6D chess or whatever, right? Um, but the other part is, I just it was obvious immediately. I, I had I had other basketball friends. Who don't like Texas? Who are like, why is Beard doing this? What is going on? Why is he putting people out to, you know, to 17 feet on Williams? You don't do that, and that was early in the game, and then it continued like. This guy is a stubborn son of a bitch. <laughs> they were like, they, again, these are not Texas centric people. Te- Texas centric people who are like, what is going on? Why are you doing this? There, there is, there's a lot of coaches who talk about this with Williams. There's a reason why Williams does not start this year. You know why he didn't start for Purdue? Because they figured it out. A lot of coaches figured out you do not pressure him. And Beard did it over and over and over and over, literally the entire game that allowed Williams to get into the paint whenever he wanted to and allowed him to also get to the free throw line a shit ton, which killed our flow, which got them a lot of free points, which did a lot of things that really hurt us. And defense is supposed to be Beard's bread and butter. That is not to say Beard is an awesome defensive coach. He's a terrific defensive coach. But I it was, it was one of those situations like I don't understand why this is why what do you how do you think it's going to change what do you think is going to be different this time well this time we'll do it, it, it never changed and williams had to be like yes i look like a all pro this is amazing uh so, so again i'm sorry but like to, to say that he's incapable of adjustments is ridiculous but that was that that was one of the few times whether it was shaka or rick or anything that i had that i had friends that are not my Texas friends, be like, I'm watching the Texas game. What the fuck is going on? This is known about Williams. People know this. Why are you guys doing this? Uh, and it just, it didn't change the entire game.
0: Well, that is a well-taken point. I don't think many Texas fans know that, or many Texas people in the media know that. So, it's a great point. Let's take a look at the other two parts of the game that really killed Texas. One was very obvious. Ten minutes without scoring a 22 point run for Purdue which Texas was miraculously able to cut down and make it just a six point lead for Purdue at half. What happened during that 10 minutes? Explain that to me. So was it something Chris Beard and, did? Was it Texas just incapable of hitting any shots? What happened?
2: Okay. So that there's, there's a, there's a, uh, uh, sort of one of those Russian nesting dolls of problems that that happened in, in that section um, the, the, the first uh, the first and it bothered me that the minute I saw it is that um, Marcus Carr spends the first four minutes of that game cooking like he comes out with his hair on fire and he is hitting shots he is doing his thing he looks great and then with you know was it three minutes into the game uh, Beard subs him out probably his normal sub pattern but he subs him out and again this is this goes back to sort of his, uh, beard's general unwillingness to change it if are, are you guys looking at the scoreboard right like you're up 14 to 8 right now and Marcus Carr is doing the things we've wanted him to do all season and he's 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 doing great but you pull them anyway cuz this is your substitution pattern. Like read the room, buddy. Um the the card says bring ask you in
1: at 17 minutes. So that's what we're going to do by <laughs> God. But It
2: reminds yeah.
0: me at times of the stubbornness of the Herman stuff. Tom Herman stuff.
2: Yeah, and you know it's just I mean I like I get that you're you're trying to you know you're trying to make sure these guys are fresh. You're trying to make sure they got You know, because, you know, you're playing against Purdue and all these guys are going to have to be as close to their peak as they possibly can to pull off what is absolutely an upset. Um, And so, you know, I understand before the game being like, okay, well, we got to get Marcus, you know, a blow here, here and here just to make sure that, you know, we get he's fresh down, you know, in the second half or whatever. But, man, he's out there just NBA jam on fire. and, And they're like, yep. All right. Let's let's bring him in. And that's that's when the 20-0 run started. Is they they took Marcus Carr out. He was point number 14 and they took him out and they didn't score for another 10 minutes. Now, he wasn't out for that entire time. He was out for about 3 minutes before they put put him back in. Um but it was it was maddening to me to see that. Um, and they didn't and, they didn't
0: take him off the court after that. He had 37 minutes on the game.
2: Yeah, that was yeah, it, it was like the you know that it's like some kid took a cookie out of the cookie jar and took a bite and then realized, uh-oh, mom's going to find out and went, I'll just put it back in the cookie jar. It's fine. <laughs> so um, yeah, it yeah that frustrated me. So w- one of the things, um, and again, I'm going to bring it Jeff Haley, because he is the one who I've heard say this more than anyone else, is that uh, Texas likes to defend itself, or Texas likes to guard itself. And uh, what he means by this, I think I might have explained it in the last podcast, but basically what it means is um, if you look at Texas's defense, the no middle defense, their goal is to keep you on one side of the floor. Um, They're trying to make you easier to defend by making sure you can't get the ball around the horn and and change sides multiple times to to move the defense around, so I went back and looked at I, I'm going to call it 17 possessions. It's I'm a little loose with that term because there were times when there was like okay an offensive rebound or maybe they, there was a foul and they uh, you know inbounded the ball, so I counted it as a second possession or whatever. But basically that. Texas had the ball 17 times in that 10-minute run and 9 of the times they did not cross the the middle of the court one time. They they either they would come up on the right side, usually on the right side, sometimes on the left, and they would run all their offense on that side. And Purdue is not a great defensive team, but it's going to make them look better when you're not making a move. And so that's that's over half of the possessions in that in that time frame that ended with uh, you know, Texas is not moving the ball around the floor. So there's that. And, I, and I, I'm going to use this as, as a launching point for my other Marcus Carr-related complaint, um, which is that one of the announcers, uh, it, uh, Marie Antonelli or whatever her name was, Debbie Antonelli, something like that, um, who I generally liked uh, as, as, a, as a commentator, um, she noted uh, correctly that uh, you want to send Marcus to his left. If you're trying to keep him from being uh, a shooter, because he tends to pass more when he's on his left and shoot more when he's on his right. Uh, and so Purdue after not, uh, you know, at some point in the first half started shading him to the left. Like they, they wanted him to go left, um, which, you know, defenses can try and do that. That's fine. Um, but what drove me nuts is that throughout the rest of the game, uh, over and over, not every single time, but most of the time uh, when the big would come up and set a screen for Marcus, it was for him to go left. And again, why are you doing the defense's job for it? Um, You are having to play a team that is going to score points and you need to score points however you can to try and keep up. And they just keep, you know, rabbit punching themselves in the dick over and over again. Like it's just, it doesn't... It doesn't make any sense, and it drove me nuts. Um, You know, some of the 200 run was uh, you know open looks that they just didn't hit, but most of it was because they they just they were executing shit offense, and they weren't making the defense work. And
0: yes, again, they part of that run was they didn't hit a lot of open shots. I mean, Jace Fabris is what he's a three and D guy who doesn't play three, who doesn't hit threes, and doesn't play D, but. Even then,
1: I will not stand for the Jay slander. No, thank you, sir.
0: But even then, you're minimizing the number of attempts, open attempts that you get at a shot. And so, even though the shots attempts were open, they
2: weren't as plentiful as they should have been, is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, some of it, you got to give credit to Purdue. Like, Raimi gets that transition off the steal, and Ivy puts down an NBA-level athletic block on him where, like, you just got to hand that to Purdue, right? Because Ramey's going to hit that layup nine times out of ten, but Ivy comes up and just erases it. LeBron
1: James block, yeah.
2: Yeah, so, like, some of that, okay, hats off to Purdue. But a big chunk of that run was Texas just doing dumb shit, really.
1: Well, and and let's not act surprised about a ten-minute stretch that was bullshit <laughs> like it's not like what, what what we were we were ineffective offensively for how many minutes now i mean 10 I, minutes might be one of the longer ones I, i'm used to season. a
2: six minute and then another four minute yeah 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 <laughs> yeah yeah
1: but it's i mean let's let's not pretend like we should be shocked by what we saw I, you know and it's look and and we shot overall in that game 42 percent overall from two not wonderful but not awful given you know it, it was always going to be tough on the interior um against a team with that kind of length uh but we were 30 about 36 percent from three uh we didn't shoot particularly well from the foul line especially if you add the you know the, the second of the one and one shots that we missed both so you kind of when you miss the first end of the one or the front end of one and one it's like missing both shots of course but we only had seven turnovers and 16 assists like it's there's plenty of things to look at us offensively and say, Hey, there was some, there was some good execution. This wasn't like a, you know, a terrible game where we had nothing going on. And even then it just, it just looked like when they needed a big bucket, they were either able to rely on Williams to get what they wanted, or they could get to the foul line or in the last, what would probably be like seven to nine minutes. Ivy was like, all right, now this game is mine. And we just, you know, when it came to that, there just wasn't a whole lot left for us to do. Um, you know, and Ivy, I think Ivy's going to be a top five pick, man. Like, he can really, really play. And obviously, you know, Painter's a guy that, that prides himself on execution the same way that Beard does. So I, I, I don't think. I, I don't want people to misconstrue my some of my criticisms here for, hey, we were the better team or Chris Beard is the reason that we lost. But, um, you know, when you're playing a team that's probably. That's probably stronger than you are. That's definitely got some strength that that can work against your weaknesses, like they do with their height, and you know, like Jaden Ivey is to basically everybody that he's going to play. You can't do some of the stuff that we did. um, That's going to enable them to be better, and especially like this, the marching to the foul line over and over and over. You know, whether it was because of how how much pressure we were putting on the ball, whether it's uh, you know how willing we were to bump them on you know, um, on some of their curls or slips, whether it was, you know, whatever it might end up being like, we just, we just did, did ourselves no favors. Um, you know, and, and if we had, you know, other than Williams, if we had stepped off of everybody, I'm not sure that we would have beat, won that game either, because if you give their shooters too much space, they're probably going to hit. But at some point it just, it felt like, Hey, we we're not changing. We're going to play this style of defense. We're not changing. We're going to play this style of offense. This is who we are. And, you know, whatever the result is, the result. And here's what we're gonna do. And after a while, I was like, well, I don't know. This is a winnable game for us if this is what uh, keeps happening, and that's what it proved being.
0: So, I mean, there was another part which was the fouls, but let's go ahead. We're we're 40 minutes in. Let's go ahead and take a look at was this tournament appearance a success for Texas? A lot of people are saying that yes, winning a single game for this team was a successful performance for Chris Beard in his first year for, uh, you know, where the program is, especially coming off of what, eight years without a tournament win it's a success. And yeah, I mean, that makes sense, right? It's been eight freaking years since Texas won. It was an incredible feeling to actually feel nice in March, right? I don't, we've never felt that and like, I, you know, for the past eight years, it's been, we're getting either, well, not not beaten this, by you and I. The second week in March, what? at
1: least. <laughs> not the second week in March, at least. The first week in March last year was wonderful. The second week in March, eh, yes. Yeah. So. so,
0: but I mean, we're getting beat by UNI or UACU or we're not even making it or we're NIT champs. But you know, we haven't felt that, and it's finally, hey, we get the we get to win in March. We get to not be knocked out. We don't we don't get to, you know, we're not memed to death again by everybody. And, and even the second game was a tough-fought game for, by this team. The team didn't quit. And it was, you know, it, it, it made a lot of people really happy in what, you know, the, the effort that was put out on the court. However, this year was one that Chris Beard basically sacrificed next year for. To, instead of bringing in a bunch of guys who he could develop, he brought in a bunch of guys who he wanted. He said, I'm going to win now. And sacrificed basically next year to feed this year. Was this a successful well, he did, performance?
1: That's, well, he, he did do that, and he's going to keep on doing that. Like the the staff keeps on talking about staying old, right? They want to they want to bring in, they want to make sure that they are um, always consistently having, you know, at least half of their guys that have played significant D one minutes. Um, and and I guess, oh man sorry, man, I had something well, and then <laughs> I thought you were done, and you kept, the, and you weren't done, and I, I lost it. Go ahead, Johnny, I'm sorry. I'm, I'll try to get it back. I apologize.
2: So <laughs> thank you for the intro. Um, so there's... Um, I, I understand why people want to talk about it being progress, because relative to last year, winning a game in March is progress. Um, so there's relative that. to and the entire Shaka game,
0: Smart era, it was progress.
2: I mean, yeah, in, in the in the NCAA tournament, it absolutely was. You know, winning one game is better than winning zero games, so you know, math checks out. No argument there. Um, I I tried to look at this, and I'm gonna I'm in the middle of writing something on this of sort of a a, a different way to judge this that is sort of coach independent um, because I feel like a lot of this is, well, we're doing better than Shaka, which, um, sure. Uh, but that's not what Texas is supposed to be doing better than Shaka is, is not the bar they're supposed to be clearing. And so, um, I went back and looked at, um, a, a, an article I wrote eight years ago, um, during the Barnes era, that was about sort of what, what, uh, what, what, should constitute success, or what should be a the goal for a Texas program that is at or near its peak? Um, and that is one that you know it, it's the the bar that I am talking about is not one that can be answered this year because it's not a one year thing, right? Like what I am looking for is sort of a rolling average, and I am looking at um, I want Texas to make the tournament about four out of every five years. I want them to make the sweet 16, uh, about half the time that they make the tournament, you know, things like that. I, I've got a couple more, uh, a couple more metrics in there. Um, but based on that, no, not a success because they didn't make the sweet 16. Um, but again, it's one year, right? Like this is the first year of his program. Um, the, the, The bar I'm looking at here is a multi-year rolling average kind of thing. So this is not, uh, an indictment on, on beard or a a prognosis that he's never going to reach that point or whatever. But, um, but no, I don't think winning one game in in March is enough. That's not, uh, that's not what Texas should be. Um, I, I think if, uh, if under any other coach who was not in their first year, uh, started the season top five ended the season just barely in the top 25 and got bounced in the second round of the tournament people wouldn't be like oh yeah successful season This is a good step like they'd they'd be annoyed and probably you know a little bit upset about it and i think that's probably the accurate way to be um because this is not you know just because the dude before you lowered the bar does not mean it do, it shouldn't be reset to where it's supposed to be, right? And so um, I, it is absolutely uh, correct to celebrate them winning a game that you should. You should celebrate every time uh, your team wins a, any game in March. But that doesn't mean that this season or this tournament experience, this tournament appearance was a success just because they won a single game. That's, that's not where I think Texas' bar should be.
1: The entire world replaced most of their roster last year. Will, do you know how many basketball players were in the portal last year? No, but just how many? G- give me a, give me just give me give me a guess, and we'll just see. Just give me a guess. Say it again. Five hundred. Fifteen hundred. There were one thousand five hundred players in the D one portal last year. Tons, <laughs> I mean, just just a, just a staggering number. Tech's top four scorers. We're all portal guys. Um, a team like Marquette, uh, five of their top six scorers were portal guys. Obviously, for Texas, we had a number of guys that were that were portal guys. Guys like Brady Manic at, at at North Carolina. Guys like the guys that uh, the big guys, uh, the Groves kids at, uh, at at OU. Like like it's the whole world portaled. So as Johnny said, from that from a standpoint of like people saying like he replaced his entire roster. College basketball replaced their entire roster this last year. That was what it was. Now there were some blue bloods that didn't like North Carolina, you know, kind of picked and chose. They got the Garcia kid from Marquette. They got manic from OU, a team like Duke obviously brought in a bunch of freshmen. So did a team like Kentucky. Right. And there was some of that stuff, but like by and large college basketball programs across the country replaced almost their entire roster. And who was ranked number one? And as far as the portal recruiting class, us. We were, and I would I would say that you could probably argue that uh, that Texas's returning guys, you know, bringing in our you know bringing back our backcourt of Andrew and Courtney and Jace is pretty good. Like 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 compared to a lot of teams, that's pretty good. When you say that we've got that that building block to kind of go off of no, I'm not going to complain about Chris Beard not bringing in the right guys or say, like, oh, why did he bring in Timmy Allen? Well, Timmy Allen's good. Why did you bring in Marcus Carr? Like, everybody in the country would have brought in Marcus Carr. Why did you bring in, you know, Christian Bishop or whatever? Like, like I get it. I, I'm not going to sit here and, 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 and pick nits about, like, well, there were other people available. That's not what it's going to be about. But I will say, I feel like Beard gets a lot of respect and a lot of, like, leeway for bringing in all these guys when, again, there were 1,500 D1 portal athletes last year. The whole world was re- was replacing their rosters. But where where I have consistently felt like this entire year that I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt is that he's bringing in two five-star guys and a guy that can really shoot. And two of the guys, Arterio Morris and Dylan Mitchell, are would right away immediately be the best athletes that we have on the team. And if he's going to talk about staying old, that's fantastic. If you can consolidate staying old with the kind of dynamic athletes that he's bringing in. So the kind of guy that we were missing this year, I do think are some of the guys that he's brought in. Now, he's the biggest other piece for me. We've got to shoot better. Like you cannot shoot as poorly as we've shot. And be and be a, a second or third weekend team, unless you are absolutely special on defense. And we've been fine defensively. We've been better than fine. We've been very good defensively, but we have not been special. We lack the we lack the individual defensive prowess to be special. We don't have a guy like Jericho Sims to step up and guard Travion Williams. Like if if Jericho Sims was the guy who was who was guarding Williams. 18 feet from the basket and he can (laughs) explode out of the gym and like can match him with foot speed and length and spray and strength fantastic we weren't guarding Williams with with Jericho Sims right now is Beard going to be able to bring that level of athlete in does he even want to is he going to bring in the level of shooters that you see at a school like UCLA this year or like Villanova or Baylor last year does he value that? Are we is he going to identify guys that can that can play both ways like that? Is he going to be willing to sacrifice some defense to bring some shooting in? These are questions we just don't know. We don't know. And and while I I definitely think that he needed to show recruits and he needed to show this fan base, especially as we move into the Moody Center, that hey, take us seriously. We are a serious legitimate basketball team winning in the tournament. Is that Right. Like really good basketball programs losing the first round. That happens. Kentucky, that happened to. Right. Um, LSU has been terrific the last few years, but that happened to them. Wisconsin lost to Iowa State. Wisconsin's a very good basketball program. You know, up and down. Baylor was the national champion last year. They lost in the second round. Right. There's no shame in losing in the second round. But um, I do think it was a success from that standpoint. But anyone that says we're definitely on the right track, we Beard is absolutely the right guy, what he's doing is is for sure the right way, I, there's just not enough there. However, <laughs> I'm willing to definitely give him the benefit of the doubt because now once we see him with the kind of athletes that that I do think he could recruit to Texas that he maybe could not recruit to Tech, Like I'm not sure a guy like Dylan Mitchell or Arterio Morris ever goes to Tech. Not that he didn't bring in really good guys at Tech, This is a different level athlete, right? This, these are both like surefire high level McDonald's all American. Like Dylan Mitchell is ranked in the top 10 in the country. That's as good as basically anybody that Barnes or Shaka ever brought in. And he's a wing and Morris is, is a, is a higher ranked guard than anyone Shaka brought in. And anyone that Rick brought in since like, you know, Corey Joseph or Avery Bradley or what Mike Kabongo was ranked his sophomore year of high school, but not by the end. So, so he's, he's got to look. And I, and I really feel like obviously there's a lot of excitement and both Mitchell and Morris feel, you know, have been, have been pretty outward, um, and outspoken about their excitement about going to Texas. So that's good because those are both guys that are, we're going to have to turn down some money from like overtime elite or from the G league. So beard is coming through and, and like following through with that. So that's a very good thing. But, um, but yeah, we'll we'll see. There's there's man. I, I just I'll just stay stay consistent with my with my phrasing of like he's got work to do. He's got work to do. He's still got to prove this. Like like his his method is is not as as cut and dry and and perfected as people maybe would like to believe with that. So sorry for such a long diatribe. But
0: it would have been super cool if we got Keontae George. But anyways, was Texas season a success given? I mean, given the tournament, given the guys that Texas had on their team, did Chris Beard maximize his team enough to call it a successful season? Give me, I mean, we kind of already answered it because most people only care about the March part, the tournament part, but more holistically, was the season a success? Well, um, give me a quick answer. Or I guess we can, this can be an hour and 30 minute podcast. We'll be good.
2: Yes, fine. Yeah, it's it's already on its it's, way. We'll do it. yeah, this is not going to be a, a, a super long answer. Um, you know, before the season started, I, I put Texas as uh, you know in the Big Twelve. The range of like best case, worst case was first place, fifth place in the Big Twelve. Um, and you know, some of that was was uh, some of that was incorrect. in that yeah, you know, I didn't see Iowa State being as good as they were. I didn't see West Virginia struggling like they did. You know, stuff like that. Um, Texas finished fourth. So on the lower end of the scale, right? Like not terrible, not, not a disaster. They didn't finish seventh or eighth or, you know, they didn't fall apart or anything. So they, they did fine. Um, I I think, um, for, for me, it's the success is, is it's less about, um, I want to say it's less concrete to me because, my feeling is that the typical Chris Beard team is going to be about like this in a, in a sort of normal year. He's going to have, um, he's going to probably have a non-conference schedule. That's not very testing. So he's going to rack up some wins, uh, and probably be ranked in the top 25, uh, conference play. He's going to be maybe a little over 500, Uh, you know, 10 and eight kind of, kind of season that's, that's around his, his normal result in most years. Um, And he's a second round uh, exit kind of guy more often than not. Um, That's out of his seven years, I want to say five of them. He's, he's gone out in the second round. Um, And that's what Texas was this year. So uh, for me, that kind of if if that is what he's going to be year in year out, and it is way too early to say that's who he's going to be, but if that is who he's going to be, that's not enough. That's not a success at Texas, um, in my opinion. It is an improvement on the previous uh, the previous t- you know coaching staff uh, or coaching tenure uh, in that it, it's. Going to be in the top half of the Big Twelve for the most part, or you know the SEC. Whenever we get there, uh, it's going to be a, a team that probably pretty consistently makes the tournament and goes to the second round and probably gets bounced. If that's if that's it, that's an improvement, but that's not where this program should be, right? Like that's not that's not where Barnes had it for eight years when he was making Elite Eight, Final Four, Sweet Sixteens pretty regularly. Um, so. Uh, t- I'm gonna say no. It's not a success because that's where I think this program should be. Um And you know, I, I understand, and and I think Tim is is dead on when he talks about the fact that yes, Texas swapped out a lot of people, but so did a lot of other teams. Um, but this is this staff also brought those guys in. So the shortcomings of this team were because this pro this coaching staff brought these guys in like, it's not like Chris Beard came in and he had nine dudes and only had could only had like two or three spots to fill, right? Like he, this, this was immediately his team for, you know, 80% of the roster is his team. So this is how he wanted it or had the best he felt he could do this year. And it frankly, wasn't a great team. It was a good team, But it was a flawed team that had, you know, like you talked about, it had a very defined ceiling and a very defined floor. Um, And that's not that's that's not where I think this program should be. Um, But at the same time, he has time and he has the ability to change this course. He it's you know, there's very few realms out there where he's not going to get at least like four years to really figure things out and get things rolling. Um, if not more, um, so he's got plenty of time. This is not, um, this is, and I want to be very clear about this. This is not me saying this is absolutely what it's going to be going forward. Um, but the, the closest analog to this Texas team was last year's Texas tech team and if you look at their tournament resumes if you look at their tournament results if you look at you know a, a lot of different angles it's basically the same damn team and so um i i am going to need to see him change things going forward to think he that that he's going to to exceed that going forward for a not very long answer johnny <laughs> tim well, that that was about half the length of Tim's last answer. So I feel like it was still True. pretty short.
1: Yeah, that's fair enough. No, I don't. That's 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 the answer. It's so if for five million bucks, man, for for what we're paying, Beard, this was not a success. Is it acceptable? Sure. It's acceptable. Is it understandable as far as the circumstances and the fact that we brought in guys that a lot of people thought were going to be high level transfers that were good but not great. I'm not going to blame him for that. There are some things that I'm going to applaud him for. There's other things this season that I'm going to ding him for and that is what it is. But if so like 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 the rest of all the Shaka stuff like he when Shaka came in and the cupboard was full you know, when Felix was a senior and Holland was a senior and Lambert was a senior in eBay and Ridley and they brought in Davis and uh, Roach and like, you know, like it was there. Shaka looked pretty good. And then everyone goes, it looks pretty bad. Would Beard have had this that kind of year this year if all he brought back was Ramey Jones and Cunningham and Febris and then like did not have the portal to kind of figure everything else out? Yeah, probably. This would have been a really rough, a really, really rough year if not for that. But you know, fortuitous or you know, fortune favors the the bold, I guess, or the brave, and and it, it worked out for Beard. But I I don't I don't you can't convince me that this was anything other than like yet again Beard's high floor, low ceiling. So if 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 we look back in five years, and this win is followed by a sweet you know another second round game next year, or a sweet sixteen game next year. And then maybe a down year, and then another Sweet 16 after that. Then, then I guess that will kind of prove this as a as a as a step in the right direction, and another kind of brick being laid on the path that we need to be. If we look back next year, and it's it's Chris Beard's seventh year at Texas Tech, <laughs> essentially, then uh, then I'm not I'm not gonna say anything more than like yeah. Then this then this exactly kind of who we thought he was. So which I. And who we thought he is or who we think he is is a really, really frickin' good coach. He is because... who we thought he was. <laughs> right. <laughs> and we let him off the hook. <laughs> but, uh, but for $5 bucks, with the resources that we have, with the connections to AAU teams that we have, with, with the fact that this brand can bring in guys that I really believe that we can bring in, um, no. No, it's not a success. Because, you know, so let me ask you this, Will, and I know this I know it's kinda of silly because the the money would have been doubled, <laughs> probably, but if or I'll ask both of you or either of you whatever. If Calapari had said yes, or more accurately, if CDC had said, like, yeah, we're gonna go to nine and a half million to bring in Calapari and he loses in the second round, would that would you have considered that a success? Nope. No, and neither mm. would have I. Right. Nor would have Calapari. And I don't think that, you know, and I think something like sentence three or four of Beard's initial press conference was that he wanted to be what kind of team?
2: Monday Night Program. Monday Night Program.
1: (laughs) That was not like, that was not Kirk Bowles asking him that. That was not Chip Brown saying like, what do you think, coach? What are your aspirations? That was Chris Beard saying this is who we're going to be and what we're going to do. So the man himself who was talking about what kind of program he wants to be and what it is. We fell far short of that in both the regular season and in the postseason. But it's year so, one,
0: so we have we're given time. Well,
1: sure, ab- absolutely, but but uh, there's there's other there's been other examples <laughs> of coaches like Mick Cronin, I believe went to the Final Four year one. So this shit happens. Now comparing us with that is not is is silly, and I'm not trying to say that that's what it's going to be. Why but, isn't he John Wooden? right of course and that's that's of course a very a very ridiculous notion to compare anybody against but i do think like look you come away from ucla thinking like oh my gosh Cronin's our guy this is let's do this and like like he's he's got it kind of in the same way that I'm sure tech felt about beard when he was there do you feel like if 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 I give you a million scenarios of what's going to happen next how comfortable do you feel saying like oh yeah beard's gonna get us through to elite eight like, 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 if you had to bet money on it, would you say, "Yep, we're gonna get there," or would you say well, it's next, just as likely we're next, not gonna get there? The next year? No, no, just like I'll give you in five in years, like in, fi- like in the next five years, will Beard get us to an elite eight? Do you, th- yes or no?
2: I don't know. I, I, my, my hunch is no, but if our next... Terrier Morris works out, yes.
1: But well, he's here for a year, man. You got him for a season, so that that means you're I, saying yes. Next year, we're gonna get there.
0: Is that that if we're gonna have the shooting next year. I yeah, mean, okay.
2: you know, the way I look at it is it, the, the reason I hesitate on that is because, you know, this year, if Yale beats Purdue, Texas is probably in the Elite Eight because, <laughs> you know, you know, like, it, and it's not, it doesn't mean that Texas was any better or worse than they were, but right. the, the draw worked out how it is. Or, you know, Bruce Weber, who got, what, three extra years out of his Kansas yeah. State deal because he missed one seed Virginia uh, due to a historic upset, the, right? The, like, or the, the two Scott Drew yeah.
1: years were, were the highest seed or, like, the lowest seed he played in, the, in his two Elite Eight runs. Was a ten seed? Like he never played yeah. anyone higher or lower than a
2: ten seed. and Going to lead it twice. So yeah, yeah. So like yeah. So that's that's why I hesitate. I I mean I don't. And we we can get into this in more depth some other time. But I, I have my my concerns about Chris Beard are not about his uh, ability to coach or his understanding of defense or anything like that. It it is that I I think uh, part of his legacy to this point has been built on marginal gains that are no longer there. Um, in that when he, he and Adams are running the no middle defense at tech, uh, they were one of the only ones doing it and they were blowing people up with it. Um, and now probably 60% of the conference is going to play it. Now Tang is at Kansas state. Um, and already half of it at least. Uh, so Everybody knows it. And they're knowing. How, they're figuring out how to, how to counteract it, so it's not as effective as it was. Um, also, everybody's in the transfer portal now. Like every coach is minding the transfer portal. Um, there's over six hundred re- today. There's over over six hundred right now. <laughs> well, not just the players. I mean, all the coaches. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like uh, there's you know there was an interview with Eric Musselman in, uh, recently where he basically said we're not really getting in the transfer portal as much anymore because there's so many people fishing those same waters that there there are now people that like he wasn't even sure would be starters in the SEC or high level guys that are now talking to like half the SEC because everybody's in the transfer portal. And so like if he doesn't have those marginal gains, if he doesn't have those little, you know, those advantages that he had before, he's got to figure out how to generate advantages somewhere else, and I don't know that he can do it. And and that's that's where my hesitancy comes from. So but again, this is these are open questions. I don't have answers to them.
0: So speaking of this whether he's going to be successful in the future we don't know right we're not fortune tellers but let's go ahead and play it let's go ahead and play like we're fortune tellers all right what does texas need given the guys who are coming back this next year and this is gonna be a long podcast so we don't have to do two of them but texas has coming back devin Askew, dylan desu brock cunningham and johnny barely how did you feel about brock cunningham half announcing he was leaving and then throwing you for a loop, throwing you a curveball, saying he's coming back. We'll time out. I want
2: to know. I I feel like uh, that was done specifically to to mess with my emotions because he's a goon in, in all phases of life, whether it's on the quarter off and uh, he took my heart and ran up behind me and poked it out of my hands and then wrestled me to the ground and then took the ball away. And then he handed it back to me. And then he night. accidentally um, hit you in the
0: face with his elbow, but he pulled it back fast yep. enough so that it wasn't right. It didn't look <laughs> yeah. like it was, it was on yeah. purpose.
2: I got an elbow to my heart. Um, it was, <laughs> so it was, yeah, I, you know, I, I, yeah, I had a lot of thoughts about that and I, it's not that, I put in more text messages to people trying to figure out if he was actually leaving than I did for just about anything short of maybe Andrew's cancer diagnosis. Like I, there's, I put an indefensible amount of effort into finding out if he was actually leaving, um, and I got several people who were like, "Yeah, we're pretty sure he's done," and you know they gave reasons why and whatnot, and I was like, "Well, fuck! Like what?" What the hell is going on in the program? If if Brock is leaving with you know a year left, and then he's like, oh just JK, K. L O L. I'm I'm coming back. Got to, got a master's degree to finish. And it's like I, okay, all right. That, I mean, I'm glad you're back, but the fuck, man.
0: So, on top of Brock Cunningham, you have two guys who you want to keep an eye on, right? Timmy Allen and Courtney Ramey. Who are those the most important
2: recruiting jobs for? Chris Beard this offseason? I I mean, for me, I would say he, he needs to do whatever within or outside of his bounds to, to bring Courtney back. Cause that, that dude is extremely vital to me. Um, especially if, you know, for some, if like arterio decides to go take the, you know, take G league money or something like y- y- you need Ramey around for his defense, for his steadiness, uh, but he's, he's, they, they need him. Uh, so I, I would absolutely try and bring him back. I, I don't know if Timmy Allen is coming back or not, that I, I wouldn't be surprised if they're trying to talk to him. Um, I, I don't have any inside information on it one way or the other. Um, I also kind of wonder if that dude's like, look, I'm like 29 years old at this point. I need to go make some money professionally, uh, before I, uh, my 12 inch vertical becomes a six inch vertical and just, you know, I'm playing in the Y. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, I I, th- I think they should try because um, the, the team would be better with him than without him.
1: Yeah, I think so too, but I don't... I'm, I'm torn with Timmy Allen because I, I'm not sure that we want him absorbing any of Dylan Mitchell's minutes or I'm not sure that you can play both Mitchell and Timmy Allen at the same time because that's two guys that are not really going to be high-percentage shooters from deep. So the spacing kind of gets messed up with that particularly because I do think Christian Bishop there's a decent chance he comes back so like, he he got better this year like he really did I, I thought that he progressed maybe as much as anybody on the team. so from from a, from a personnel standpoint of the guys that we think are returning, uh, I still don't think Remy's coming back. I still think it's more likely he doesn't. I'm not sure what his you know name image and likeness opportunities are. I think Timmy's got some decent ones you know he's Timmy's so boisterous uh you know he's he's obviously someone that's got a tremendous personal story or at least a story that you know is very sad uh but an opportunity to kind of like make some make some leeway with that and use that to his advantage and whatever way would be possible which hey kudos to the guy for that if that's something that he can do but it's just going to be it's going to be interesting cuz i i'm pretty sure we're going to end up with at least five or six new players now where whether those guys are are from you know different college programs cuz we've seen a lot of different programs um, with coaching changes already, that's going to increase as the next week or two goes on. So, who sticks with their letter of intent? Who doesn't? Which you know, capable guys from you know, like I want to say, Lofton just left Louisiana Tech. Uh There was a guy from Nebraska that just declared he was going to keep his eligibility. I believe. So we'll see what he decides if he gets you know whatever draft grade. So it, it, there's there's some question marks that will still be there, but. I just think it's. I just think you know. Until we have a clear idea of who's going to put their name in, and what our actual high school recruiting class looks like, because you could tell me that we are going to add three more freshmen next year, and I'd be like, "Yep, that makes sense." Or you could say, "Okay, it's just going to be Mitchell Morris and I'd Be like, "Okay." (laughs) So it's it's there's so many question marks, Um, but I think for the most part, gun to my head. If you had to ask me who's going to return, that could leave that like could actually be finished. I think Cunningham's going to come back, and I think one of Allen or Bishop. And that's at this point, that's all I'm going to. Re- that's all I'm going to say. Not Beyond Askew that or dissu. Oh, and, well, I think yeah, I don't think Askew and dissu have the options the other guys do. Unless I mean, because maybe those guys could go pro, but but like they can't transfer. You know, they because they'd have to sit out a year. So, if they're going to sit out a year, I'm not sure either of those guys have the real pro aspirations that a guy like Timmy would, that a guy like Andrew or Courtney would. Like, I think Andrew or Courtney or Timmy could go anywhere from the G League to basically anywhere around the world and command, you know, decent level six figure salary immediately. I don't know that Askew or Dassault could do that right now. So, those guys probably they don't really have a choice other than to stay in college for a while. I, well, Brock's probably the same way so so I just I, I'm not I'm not sure about guys like that. So. so
0: then given the guys who you have on the team coming in next year, the three freshmen and the three guys who we know are returning, what are you looking for in the portal? what skill sets are you looking for in the portal players skill sets positions do, does Texas need for next year? What am I
1: looking for? Or what do I think Beard is looking for?
0: <laughs> Both. What does Texas need, and what is Beard likely going to do?
1: We need we need rim protection because at this point we are still looking at a year where our where our biggest, most athletic players are going to be probably Mitchell and Bishop if he comes back, and if not Bishop, then it's only Mitchell right now, and that, that's it. I mean, Dessou if he's healthy and he looked really good against Virginia Tech. Will but Mitchell then come back? Look, no, 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 Dylan Mitchell. I'm sorry. It's not Trey. Trey's gone. Don't Trey Mitchell okay. is not a part yeah. of the equation. Sorry. So Dylan Mitchell, the, yeah. the freshman coming in, um, he needs a rim protector and he needs shooting. Right. <laughs> That's the biggest thing that we need it right now because because nobody coming back. Nobody unless it's Ramey. But even with Ramey, like we'll see like nobody coming back as a dead eye shooter. Brumba, the the freshman coming in, who's ranked like, I want to say like mid nineties by the composite is the closest we have to a pure shooter coming back. We have very little shooting. Now, Morris can shoot. Ramey can shoot, but we don't have guys that are going to come in and say like, this is who we are. Like my identity is as a shooter. He, he just, he has to bring that. If he doesn't, if he does not bring in that level of shooter, then he is damning himself to have to to have to have an elite defense, like not like a good defense, an elite defense to be the kind of team we want to be. And I just you know, that's it's tough to say like, okay, we're only going to be successful if we're a top five or top three defense in the country. That's just that's tough to be. There's only a few of those teams, right? So um, there's only three or five, right? Yes. <laughs> so I, I think we 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 need rim protection. We could use we could use a wing scorer um, and as much shooting as we can get. So, you know, whatever else beyond that, I guess we'll see what he's going to value, but.
2: Yeah, I, I think the, you know, sort of the issue here is that the, the guy, so one of the things that Scott Drew did well, which I, I hate having those words come out of my How mouth. How dare that, you? How know, dare you? I know, it's terrible. <laughs> um, is that he had a knack for Baylor getting burned by a dude who's a really good shooter in the tournament, and that dude showing up on Baylor's team the next year, right? Like, so maybe what Beard needs to do is go hit up uh, and start tampering with Virginia Tech something fierce Uh, because uh, he does need shooting. But the problem, I guess, with with Beard or the the thing that I need to see from him is that he needs to understand, like a lot of times when you get these guys who are, you know, these like sort of six foot shooters or whatever, they don't defend very well. Uh, they may not be as athletic. They they've got some drawbacks. Right. But the, the point is that they shoot the shit out of the ball. Um, Beard being as defensive minded as he is, um, he is going to have to make some sort of compromise with himself in, in that he's going if he's going to go this route, he's got to be like, OK. We may be giving up some defensive capability when this guy's on the floor, but we really need him for offensive spacing. And and to date, he hasn't really done that. So he needs to, if, if he's going to go in the portal and look for one of these 40% plus three point shooters, he's got to play him, right? Like he's got to actually allow that dude to fuck up defensively and still play him because he needs his shooting. And I, we'll see if he does that or not. Um, I, I'm, I'm not super optimistic, but again, it's only year one.
0: Let's go ahead and really look deep into our crystal balls here. How does Texas do next year? What do you, I want a prediction now. I want a too early prediction for Texas. I don't care that we don't even know who's on the floor next year. How do they do?
2: So I'm going to predict that they win at least 20 games because I bet they're going to have a bunch of patsies in their non-conference that that racks up those wins. Because Chris Beard loves him some 20-win seasons, and uh, he knows how to get them. So there's that. As far as how Texas does in the Big 12, man, uh, there's a whole lot of flux going on with Kansas State. And if TCU brings people back and... Uh, you know, Kansas is going to be Kansas. Baylor's probably going to be some form of Baylor. So, depending on who Texas gets, I, I, I would be surprised if they win the Big Twelve title or even seriously contend. I, I could see them being like sort of like this year, where there's this defined group of of teams that are ahead of them. That other than those, they they fare pretty well against, and and they beat most of the teams they're going to beat, and you know they sit on the fringe top twenty five and and that's where they're at. So, you know, if we don't know who it is, then that's that's my guess.
1: Yeah, I agree. I I think it's tough to yeah, uh, tw- 20 wins is basically a- assured because <laughs> we're we're going to get to 10 or 11 wins inside of the non-conference and I think that there's a good chance that we're at that we're at 9 or 10 wins in the conference. So, I but I as Johnny said, Kansas, Baylor, Tech, TCU Iowa State. At this point, it's tough to to absolutely say, "Oh, we're going to be better than those teams." I think we're going to be good. Again, our our floor is going to be pretty high because we're adding some terrific athleticism. I do think that he's going to bring back enough guys that will stay competitive. But you know, stop me if you've heard it before. I think at this point, until we find out who else is going to be here, and I just I (laughs) as as much as I'm not going to you know going to throw him under the bus for bringing in the guys that he brought in in the portal. He didn't exactly knock it out of the park with with the transfer guys this year, so I guess I have to sort of take that as it is. Um, and yeah, so I'll, I'll say uh, I'll say I'm going to go a little bit less. I'm going to say twenty wins. So so through into the Big Twelve tournament, I'm going to say mm, I'm going to say nineteen wins and uh, nine and nine in the conference. So I'm going to say he gets he gets ten non conference wins and we lose to the two the two teams that can actually breathe in the non-conference schedule that will play. And then he goes nine and nine in the conference. So what is,
0: what is that like a six seed again? That's yeah. Probably six, like a seven, six, seven, eight seven seed, seed, something like
2: that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, uh, yeah. With the chance to be like a two seed, if he knocks it out of the park. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see if he can, I mean, I guess there's just a lot of transfers out there. So you kind of have your pick of the litter at this point. It's more just a recruiting game. It's, it's another recruiting front at this point. Just, you get to do it a lot later. However, on that note, I think we're going to end it off there. Thank y'all for pretending we we're football for the past.
2: Months. 28 months. Sort of felt like something like that.
0: Happy six years. Six months past six months. Thank you for pretending. Six for, years, get yeah. It's okay. the six year of doing this. So thank you for pretending football for the past six years. Uh, we really do appreciate having y'all here, Brittany M, Cole C. Appreciate y'all supporting the show. Uh, big shout out to those guys, Johnny. Thank you for remembering their names last last week. It was really big of you.
2: I kinda yeah. Um, I just I remembered they existed. So uh, Brittany and please Cole, please help us out that, that's if you names. enjoyed yeah.
0: us over the past six years. Uh, Contribute to our Patreon, the Hornscast Patreon. Um, We'll be talking spring football next up. Uh, But for now, uh, we'll be waiting until we get some transfer news. Johnny Brashear, where can we find you in the meantime?
2: Um, Find me on Twitter at BitterWhiteGuy, although now (laughs) there's no basketball. Uh, I totally understand if you don't want to follow me anymore because, um, everything other than basketball on there gets, gets pretty dark. Um, (laughs) and you know, substack, .substack bitterwhiteguy.substack.com. I'll have one more thing coming out sometime this week. Uh, and then I'm probably going to go idle for a little while. Uh, I, I will do those NCAA program rankings again, uh, when the tournament's done, but that's, that's a pretty minor thing. So, um, But, yeah, that's it. You
0: guys can find Johnny and Tim on the Hornscast Discord. So if you guys miss us a lot during the offseason, come hang out with us on the Discord. He'll be able to chat with us. Tim, other than that, where can we find you?
1: So on the tennis court now, um, so as much as Johnny's going on hiatus, uh, hiatus, I will definitely be going on hiatus as my team kind of gets into the heart of our season. But uh, otherwise, on Twitter, at InsideTexasHoop, no S... And on InsideTexas.com, awesome community, awesome people. Come hang out with us. Um, yeah, and I want to say thanks to the people on the on the um, Discord too. So, if you would like to talk to me on Discord, you're probably gonna have to at me. Just so you know, because uh, my I'm i he's a I'm busy really man.
2: Honestly, that's that's not even no. I'm not. A, a I don't know that he's a
1: busy, busy man. I... He's also
0: old and doesn't know technology. So
1: yeah, I know. I just I just it just. Between walking my dog and making my kids food and reading my kids Harry Potter and uh, going for my runs, I, I'm i not as thoughtful about it as I need to. But I, I would love to talk to you with you people. So please, please support us. Support Will in, in particular. Uh, but just, uh, you know, at me if you need to talk to me. So
0: Yeah, you guys can find me on Twitter at W-I-L-L-B-A-I-Z-E-R. Your host, Will bazer uh, Just a quick. Question before we sign off here, what are you guys gonna be doing in the offseason? What's what's the thing? I've been I've been speaking of Harry Potter, I've been listening to the uh audiobooks again. So kinda kinda going through that. I'm on book four now. Also started playing uh the poke the new Pokemon game, Arceus Legends, so or RCS Legends, I don't know how you say it. Absolutely fantastic. Just, I'm I'm loving it, addicted, so I'm guessing that's gonna last me for about a month. What about you guys? What are you guys doing this this off season?
1: Well, I'm all tennis, basically, i'm I'm all school and then tennis until probably at least the middle of May and probably late May. And then once we get into the summer, uh, my kiddos are total pool rats. So they spend basically, I don't know three or four hours a day at the pool. So I am either sun tanning them or sorry, like putting suntan lotion on them. not suntan sun, sunscreen on them or buying sunscreen or lamenting that I don't have sunscreen and then driving my car to go get that sunscreen um, and then making them grilled cheese sandwiches. And then lamenting that I can't drink alcohol at a public pool. That's also one of the things I do a lot in the summer. So a lot of that.
0: That's sad. I'm sorry. That's that's really rough, Tim. Johnny?
2: Uh, I'm going to be setting up a... uh... Amazon subscribe and save option to deliver Tim's sunscreen. (laughs) Um, That's going to be, it's going to be every other week. Uh, You know, he can supplement as needed. That's, that's going to be, it's going to be my, my, it's got to be spray. A bunch of
0: pale gentlemen here, so we could all use some sunscreen.
1: Well, it's got to be spray because I I don't like having the greasy feeling on my fingers. Like I, I like I Look, love. You're my... gonna
2: get what you fucking get. <laughs> I
1: love my kids, but not enough to have that feeling and sensation on my on my own skin. So no, thank you. But the spray, um, yeah, I'm good with spray.
2: So. How, how about you just hand them the lotion and be like, "This is from your your uncle Johnny, who cares about you way more than I do. Go get me a Jim Beam and. <laughs> <laughs> I never
1: thought of that. Incredible.
0: cool this
1: is changing my, changing my life here
0: yeah well, we'll, we're also oh. taking requests and any suggestions that you might have for what we should be doing over the site over the summer uh, specifically Johnny Johnny's really looking for for things to do because uh, other than getting Tim's sunscreen we, we, we don't know he, he's not he doesn't have much I- on the docket. I do a pretend we're anything like if you
1: guys want any different podcasts about different like if you want us to talk about video games or like pretend we're something else like pretend we're I don't know primetime TV or something like that like this could we could we pretend could do we're some uh, non yeah we could do some non basketball stuff if you guys have anything that sounds fun like I don't, I don't even know like will is the gatekeeper of all this stuff like me may, like maybe when we talk about eight listeners that's what it truly is I have I have no clue so uh if there's more than eight this isn't out there and you'd like for us to like if you care about what we have to say about anything else i would talk with will about this with something uh like we were talking about pokemon stuff before we hit record today so if that sounds fun and you guys are nihilists or masochists or whatever and listening to us talk about bullshit sounds amazing yeah that could be
2: fun too we just we,
0: we're we here for you people this like sounds the bull great cast
2: nihilists or masochists <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's our target audience right there
2: yeah i, I would imagine Texas basketball so. fans <laughs> hurt me nothing matters all right guys. Oh, my nipples they hurt they hurt
1: when you twist them
0: <laughs> i don't i don't know i don't know how that goes anyways we'll end off on that note thank y'all for pretending we were football and thank y'all for listening we will see y'all in a few months Hook them. Hook em horns.